Good morning again. In this episode of my podcast, Speak Now, I want to read a very inspiring story that I wrote for submission, and they have decided to publish it along with my book that I wrote as well called The Regular Girl that will be published soon, as well as this one. This one's not a book. It's just an inspirational story. Um, The name of it is called, I titled it, The Passion Burning Inside Me. I decided to put my feelings on paper because they were eating away at me. I didn't know where I was going with my story, but I let my heart and my mind guide my fingers. I hope you find it interesting. As I sit here watching an old episode of 227, I can't concentrate on the things I see before my eyes because of the passion burning in my heart. A passion that's burning so rapidly It won't stop eating at me. I can't sleep well because I'm trying to figure out how to put this fire out. I lay awake many nights. My mind is racing with hundreds of thoughts and ideas. Last night it finally hit me. In order to put out the fire, I need to put up a fight. A fight I have been fighting with myself for many years. In the year 2016, I would have brief encounters with people from my past. At the time, I thought it was a coincidence. (laughs) It was God. I didn't know that at the time. He used them solely for his purpose, to deliver a message to me. The first woman I encountered was a minister. She said, you still running from God? I said, Miss Whitlow, don't start that now. <laughs> we shared a laugh. She said, you can run from God as long as you want to, but when he is ready for you, he will sit you down just like he did me. That gave me something to think about. The second woman came months later with a similar message. Tarsha, I told you when I worked at the body shop, you have a purpose. God is calling you to be a prophet. My first thought was, she's right. Then I also thought, she's a little loony. (laughs) She went and told me about her plans to open her own church and give back to the community. I was on board for that. As I had this passion burning in my heart, I would love to be an activist. I would love to stand up and be an advocate for our community. I am all for giving back. So I immediately jumped on board to help her with that. Now, I was going to be her prophetess. We started the plans to open a church together. I was going to minister to our youth. As we were setting our plan in motion, I kept chasing this dream because I thought that's where he wanted me to be. It wasn't. And he revealed it to me. There were all of a sudden this dark cloud hanging over my life. My calling is a prophet, but not in the church. He sent me several warning signs that I refuse to see. He wants me in the neighborhoods in my community so I can spread my ministry there. The moment I stopped chasing someone else's dream, that dark cloud and all of its demons disappeared. My life went from bad to good. See, let me explain something to you here. While I was chasing someone else's dreams and visions, I was suppressing my own. The more I ignored the warning signs from God, the more my life crumbled. I was suffering financially, emotionally, and physically. My life is good now because I realize what and where he wants me to be. My place is an activist, to be a voice for the people our people. He wants me to start out as a community activist. 
He wants me to take care of the homeless in my community first and rebuild some of the poverty-stricken areas in my community before he allows me to spread my wings for greatness. How do I know where he wants me to start? I learn to listen to God when he speaks and be still when he presents himself to me in many forms. One night I experienced a dream so surreal. I was driving across the bridge in my hometown. Everybody from Albany, Georgia is familiar with the Flint River. As I approached the bridge, I didn't pay attention to what was happening ahead of me. As I drove onto the bridge, I noticed there was a traffic jam, which is unusual in my hometown. Then I noticed why the traffic was backed up. The water was overflowing from the river onto the bridge, causing the bridge to flood. I was terrified. My first thought was, I'm going to die because I can't swim. My second thought was, oh man, this is a dream and you have to wake up from it now. I figured if I jump out my car, maybe I would wake up. I opened the door and jumped out the car and hit the water. It was cold as ice. I looked around and I noticed this gentleman in the truck behind me diving the water. He was swimming my way, but then he disappeared. I started drowning, needless to say. I was cold and shivering. It was like I could feel the actual effects of what was happening to me. Even though I knew it was a dream, it was so surreal because I could actually feel the coldness of the water. I could actually feel myself shivering. I could hear the water rise up around me as it started to cover my ears as I'm going under the water. All I can hear at this point is the sound of the water splashing all around me. I feel my chest tighten as I'm struggling to breathe. I'm drowning. I begin to cry because I'm thinking, this is a dream and I'm going to die in my sleep simply because I can't wake up and I'm drowning in my sleep. I kept telling myself, you need to wake up, wake up, you're dying. I was ready to accept my fate. This is how my life will end. My children will wake up to get ready for school and find their mom dead. I began to panic when I noticed this bright, sparkly, golden light. There was a man The prettiest man I've ever seen in my life. He wasn't white and he wasn't black. He was like a pretty beige color. He was wearing like the prettiest gold crown. It had like beautiful sparkle diamonds on it. And he was wearing the prettiest gown. The gown at first sight, I thought it was white. But then it looked burgundy. He was walking towards me. And I got excited because I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Someone's coming to rescue me. But then my second thought was, how is this man walking on water without sinking or drowning? Why isn't he swimming? As he approached me, he extended his hands to me. Before I took his hand, he said to me, I got you. I always got you. I grabbed his hand and he pulled me from the water, but I sat straight up in my bed. I looked around and the clock on my nightstand said 6.50 a.m. It was time to wake my kids up and get them ready for school. I started crying and praying because he allowed me to live. And I didn't know why at the time he spared my life. I now ponder with the thought of what life is like when you're in the eyes of death. Because of that dream, I now know firsthand. And it is scary, y'all. It's very scary. I called my minister and told her about my dream. And she began to immediately pray for me. She told me I haven't fulfilled my purpose of being his prophet. She told me how anointed and blessed I was to see the Holy Ghost because he doesn't reveal himself to everyone. I shared this with my mom and two of my aunts who said I was blessed as well. 
I told them the one thing that stood out the most was how pretty and pure and clear the water was. I've never seen water so pure and beautiful in my life. It was sparkling. It was gorgeous. He was gorgeous. Everybody knows the Flint River water is brown and dirty, far from clear. As of today, I know I know now why that passion is burning out of control. It's time, y'all. He's ready for me to take my place and fulfill my purpose. Saturday, I was pumping gas and a man drove up on a bicycle. He said, good morning, beautiful. I said, hello. He asked me if I had six pennies and my reply was no. All I had left was $23 I had just borrowed from my mom to feed my boys. But something said, check your pocket. There was 60 cents in my right pocket. I yelled for him to come over and he did. I gave him the 60 cents and he was so overwhelmed. He thanked me and said this was more than he needed. He began telling me his story. He had it all, but his good heart landed him in a hard place. He said he always helped everybody out, but when he needed help, no one would help him. I told him I am blossoming into my role as an activist. And if I didn't help him, what am I joining the fight for? On Monday, I took my boys to the park while my oldest son visited his grandmother across the street from the park. As I was watching my kids play, my eyes really opened all of a sudden. It opened to a reality a lot of us are blind to with wide, with eyes wide open. Tiff Park has changed so much since I used to play there as a little girl. There were so many men and women living in the park. Some were sleeping and some were simply just there, not even existing in existence. I felt sad because they need help as well. I heard a voice say, this is where you need to plant your seeds. It starts here. On Tuesday, I encountered a flat tire. I pulled up to my local gas station to get some air, only to discover the cost was a dollar and seventy-five cents. That's ridiculous. And all I had was a dollar and thirty. I heard a man say, Excuse me, ma'am, do you need any help? I told him I needed to get some air, but I was short. He asked me how much was it? I said a dollar seventy-five. He said, How much do you have? I said a dollar and thirty. He opened up his hand. And he looked at me with the sadness in his eyes and said, I've been out here an hour and all I have is a quarter. He said, it still won't help you, but you're more than welcome to it. My son said no before I could because I was getting choked up. See, here you have a man homeless and willing to give me his last quarter. Knowing that he needed it more than I did. He was still willing to give it to me, even though it still wasn't going to help me. That was my third encounter with the homeless within five days. And I now know I have to plant my seeds there first. If a homeless man is willing to offer me his last, knowing he needs it more than I do, then these are exactly the kind of people I need and want to help. We have a voice movement under construction. Watch how I implement my plan for his work. I'm telling y'all, it's going to happen. You guys are going to see me and you're going to be like, wow, she said it. She worked hard and she got there. I'm going to take care of the homeless. I'm going to build some homeless shelters. I even have plans for the youth. 
plans of building, opening dance studios. I feel like if we give the youth something more to do, then that will keep them off the streets less. Give them something else to channel their energy into. The only thing they have to do is hang out on the streets with their friends, go out to eat, to the movies, play ball. The same thing, they're getting bored with it. Let's get creative. Let's give the youth something more to do. Take them off the streets so that our officers can stop just jumping out on them. Here in Albany, Georgia, my teen son and his friends were telling me that the gang tax force here has something what they call them the jump out gang. Um, they said they'll just be standing on the side of the road or just walking down the road or anything. And they would just pull up in their unmarked vehicles, jump out, start searching them, asking them questions. Uh, the last time I checked, that was illegal. But as I said in one of my previous podcasts, we as black people, as a culture, as a community, as a whole, have to get more educated on the laws. I don't know who approved such said thing for them to do this and allow them to pull up and do illegal searches of that matter and who approved this such said jump out game but that's going to be my next activity as well to get that to decease that's illegal and they can't do that that's violating the rights if those young men or any other men or women that they stop and jump out on and just all of a sudden asking for their identification or start asking them questions when they have not done anything or no one called you and suspected them of anything that is illegal you can't do that We've got to know our rights and our laws, y'all. This is why they're doing what they're doing. That right there has to be broke up. They can't do that. And I'm sure that they're not just doing it here in the state of Georgia. I'm sure they're doing it in other states. But see, the people in the youth are afraid to speak out. They're afraid to say something about it because they don't know their rights. So they think that they're well within their rights for them to get jumped out on and just ask for their ID like that. No, they're not. We have to protect our youth. We have to protect our children. They depend on us. They really do. And we have to do more for them. We have to show them that we're for them as well. Educate yourselves. We have to educate your children. We need to get educated on the laws, y'all. We need to get educated on our rights, seriously. I guarantee you we can fight them with that type of power. If we really know our laws and rights, we can stop some of this police brutality. They're still going to try to shoot. And things of that nature, because you still have these bloodthirsty officers, the ones driven by racism, hate, and rage, that became police officers simply so they can get away with murder. I mean, let's face it. it why not become a police officer? You can murder someone and get away with it. That's a great way to channel your racism and rage and get it off your chest. Just go out there and shoot a black person. I didn't like the fact that I saw on Instagram where a white woman said that she was stopped by a police officer. And she was afraid. And she said the officer told her she had no reason to be afraid because they only kill the blacks. Like, where's the justice in that? Like, that's not right. If we had said something like that, we would simply be arrested just for saying that. Oh, we would be charged with terroristic threats and things of that nature. But still, nothing happened to that officer for saying that. We've got to get justice, y'all. I need your help. As I said, if you're afraid to stand up, then support me. Support the other activists. You have Tamika Mallory. You have a lot of other ones. Support us, y'all. We're out here risking our lives. And no no one asked us to do that. But that's just the rage and the, the fear and all that that we were driven by. That passion, as I just read in my story, that passion burning inside me, y'all, is what is leading us to stand up. We need the black male support, definitely. 
as black women, we definitely need our black men to support us and stand behind us as well. Like I said, if you're afraid to get out there and protest with me when I start protesting, if you're afraid to start marching with me when I start marching, then just offer me your support. Share my, my tweets. Share my podcast. That's showing your support. Just share my word. Let them know. Just spread the word. Any way you can support and help, help, y'all. Because this is getting ridiculous. We have got, it's 2019, y'all. This has been going on for years and years and years. Come on, black people. Channel that rage. Channel that energy. Let's stop these officers. Let's hold them accountable. If I have to create a march, and if I have to protest to Congress in Atlanta, or if I have to protest to the White House, somebody's going to hear my bill. They're, they're going to hear my bill, y'all. I'm going to get that law passed. Trust. We've got to start somewhere, guys. we got to start somewhere. Only thing I'm asking is support. Support, support, support. That's it. Thank you.